And there is one line open. Grab it if you like. You just heard the number, 210-599-5555. We're going to talk to Martha and James and Jim. And Martha's up first. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Um, A friend of mine told me about a mushroom compost operation out of Gonzales, Mm -hmm. Texas. Right. And uh, he was going to go get a truckload of it. Do you is that is it a good quality stuff? Do you know anything about it? <laughs> Absolutely. People have been using it for years. Here's here's the thing about compost. In my opinion, the best compost out there are blends of many different materials because the the most important thing you get out of compost is all the microbial life, all the beneficial bacteria and fungi that are in the compost, and every different organics organic object on earth is slowly decomposed by different microbes so uh, if you get cotton burr compost you get the microbes that break down cotton burrs if you get the uh, mushroom compost you get the microbes that break down the mushrooms and the material that the mushrooms grow on so in my opinion the best composts in the world are the ones that are blends of many different materials now having said that mushroom compost has a lot of good materials materials in it i would call it a very good compost again if we were going to get a load of it i'd probably mix it with a little bit of manure compost or you know some other things but uh um it's a good compost it's just not a perfect compost but uh the other thing that you need to watch in the process of growing mushrooms that they have to be grown in a very clean environment or you get some undesirable fungi growing and mushrooms of course are a fungus themselves but uh they sterilize the bins in which they grow Uh, the mushrooms, and they do this with salt water. And occasionally I have seen mushroom compost that has gotten a little too much salt in it. It'll usually show up as sort of a white crust you know, on a pile of the mushroom compost. and uh, But as long as you avoid stuff that's over-salted, um, I, again, it's a great compost, and people have been using it in their gardens for years very successfully. Yeah, I just was wondering about this particular operation if uh, because I know that sometimes um people uh, add things to speed it up and they're not things that I really want in my vegetable garden. We no. are going to mix it with the uh with uh manure compost and so forth. Then you're in so great shape. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a very good product for you. Okay, good. One other question um we bought some zinnia seeds at the wildflower farms in Fredericksburg. We've got a big area where the, the darn um, aerated septic sprays, sure. and it's so ugly out there. And we thought, <laughs> well, if we throw out some of those zinnia seeds, maybe it'll look like the wildflower farm. Um, so I should plant that in um, the spring, right, since it's not when I normally would plant wildflower seeds? Well, you're exactly right. Zinnias, if they are um, you know, true zinnias, and there's some, uh, hopefully it's the little low-growing ones, the Zaharas, the, uh, you know, profusions. Uh, there, there are a bunch of different little low-growing ones that are very colorful and flowering. They will not take a freeze. They will be killed by yeah. frost, so you will want to plant them out when we get past the danger of freezing weather. And you know me, I'm not going out on the limb with weather forecasting, but uh, I suspect it's probably a pretty sunny area, and I think it would be you know, very pretty things. You might look at, uh, I imagine wild seed farms would have the same. You might get some of the ladybird type uh, uh, cosmos. Uh, there's some oranges and yellows. It would be beautiful mixed in with your zinnias. Would be good warm season wildflowers. 
Um, there, you know, there's some different varieties of coxcomb that could be mixed in. You can get uh, you get a pretty wide range of things. Uh, I would think about it if you're if you're wanting just beautiful color, plant some larkspur now. Because your larkspur is going to start growing sooner, going to start blooming earlier in the year, and then plant your zinnia seed. And as the larkspur fades out, your zinnias will sort of take over the job of uh, being colorful out there over your uh, your septic area, septic system area. And uh, that it's not only a good idea; you can even make it a better idea, adding some other things to it. Oh, larkspur is a great idea. I've had it before, but I never thought about sticking it out there. I think I'll do that. Very good. Okay, that's very helpful. Thanks so much. You're certainly welcome. Thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, James is next. Good morning, James. Morning, sir. How are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm blessed, sir. Yes. I've got a little problem. What I did is I work out of town, uh-huh. and uh, I came home, and I tried to drive around in my backyard off my uh my property line joined my neighbors. Okay. And what I did, I sort of destroyed her lawn and mine, too. We both have Bermuda grass. I've already bought some grass to replace, you know, uh, to fill in where I messed up. Do I need to fertilize since it's the dormant season for grass or whatever? Do I need to fertilize it or anything, or what do I need to do? How long has the Bermuda been planted? Ah, uh, Chef, it's been there for quite a while. You know, I would very definitely fertilize it. Uh, Even though the top of the Bermuda is not growing, the roots are active. And if you use a good organic fertilizer like Medina or Maestro Grow or Nature's Creation, any of those, it doesn't wash away. Now, your chemical synthetic stuff, you know, that washes away and you'd be totally wasting your time to put it out. But uh, find some good Medina or Maestro Grow. Like I say, Nature's Creation makes a good one. If you still find any of the ladybug fertilizer, fertilizer or spoma those are all good organic brands that basically stay locked in place and slowly feed that grass and by fertilizing now it's going to green up and get a lot prettier a lot sooner in the spring now you say you messed it up did you just put ruts and things in it is that what happened what I did. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> I know what you're talking about in, in my own land. Um, is it totally leveled out now? No, I started putting, you know, like I say, I bought the grass to replace what uh-huh. I you know, put ruts in, and I started replacing it, you know, the little sections or whatever. But uh, it doesn't look good, so I'm going to go back and, and uh, do some more to it. I well, Here's, here's here's what I do, James. I I get a good load of compost. Uh, if you're close to one of the stone and soil depot locations, or if you're close to New Earth, or if you're close to, uh, um, oh gosh, uh, uh, the organic place that's out on Lookout Road, uh, any of those okay, places sure. are going to have a good compost. And I would just okay. get some compost and spread over that area. Bermuda is one grass that you can totally bury it, and it will come up through it. If it was St. Augustine, you can't do that. You can't put more than a half an inch or so on there. But I, okay. years ago, had a load of compost dumped in my vegetable garden on top of some Bermuda, and it grew up two and a half feet through that compost and started growing on the top 
top of the compost pile. So if you want to level it up, if you want to make it look really nice and perhaps improve neighborly relations, shall we say? Yeah, take your if you got a if you got a pickup or a trailer, go out and just pick up a yard or two and spread that around. Uh, these folks can deliver to you, but you know you pay as much for delivery as you pay for the compost half the time. So uh, right. I, I put down the fertilizer first. I put some compost on top of it, and then I just smile and let Mother Nature take over for you. All right, sir. I appreciate it. Appreciate One more question. Yes, sir. Mind. Go right ahead. Uh, Carpenter ants. Is there a, uh, you know, I researched it, and I found out that's what they were. Is there a, uh, uh, could you tell me what I need to do about them, please? Are they in your home, in your window frames? Where are you seeing them? Right at the bottom of the foundation. I've got a you know, brick home and, you okay. know, the little... And these these are the they're sort of reddish ant with a black abdomen, right? Okay, uh, get yourself some Medina orange oil. Uh, orange oil is a totally natural product. It's squeezed out of citrus peel. Smells good. Um, it won't hurt you if you get a lot of it on your skin. It'll kind of dry it out because it's a solvent. But if you will mix your uh, your orange oil, I put about oh. If you just if is this a big area or is this a small area you need to get after it's them? Just a small area, you okay. know. You can see them. They 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 have a uh, nest in the ground. They also come up and come inside your wall. Okay. Um, I, the rate is going to be about two tablespoons to a quart of water. Uh, that figures out to about three ounces per gallon of water. You can either right. pour it over them or you can spray it on them. It will kill them almost instantly. It leaves no residue behind. It's totally harmless to people and pets. Uh, and it really does work. I have a friend, and she had carpenter ants in her wooden shutters. I told her, you know, just spray it down good with orange oil and water blend. Well, a friend of hers, happens to be a friend of mine, too, is a good builder. And he said, oh, no, Stephanie, that's not going to get it you got to call a good exterminator exterminator came out took the shutters off and said lady i don't know what you've done but you've gotten rid of all the ants you don't need me so uh and the orange oil you're probably not going to use it all it is one of the best cleaners in the world you can dilute it down like a teaspoon to a quart it'll be the best countertop cleaner you've ever used uh there are lots of different uses for it so if you buy a pint or a quart and you don't use it all don't feel like you have to you know you, you just wasted your money you can also mix it at the rate of two ounces to a gallon of vinegar it'll be the best weed killer you've ever seen and uh again totally safe so get yourself some orange oil diluted appropriately you'll kill those ants and uh might take two applications but it'll do it a whole lot better than any of the poisons all right sir i do appreciate you i'm always here for you appreciate the call james you get out and have a great sunday you have a blessed day sir thank Thank you you too bye all right uh jim's turn good morning jim good morning sir I called you a couple of weeks ago on planting chili patine. Yes, sir. Uh, and I, uh, you told me to buy some uh, stump remover. Yeah, potassium that. nitrate. Anything has potassium nitrate in it. And how much? Uh, it's a powder or right. a granule. How much? How much do you mix with water? Or you said to soak the seeds in it for ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah, take uh, put about two or three tablespoons of that to a quart of water. 
and uh, dissolve it as best you can, and then uh, you can keep it, too. I mean, you can do a batch of seeds now. You can save it and do a batch of seeds in three weeks if you like. I wouldn't keep it forever. But, uh, yeah, about two to three tablespoons to a quart of water, and uh, do your soak when you're getting ready to plant your seed, and uh, it'll really increase the percent of seeds that germinate and grow for you. All right, well, I plant. I uh, pull the green chilies off the bush after that hard freeze we had. Right. And the the the, the beans were, I call them beans, the seeds were right. kind of pethy, kind of soft. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess from the freeze or something. But those, those will be okay to plant, won't they? It just depends on how mature they were. Um, they should be okay to plant, but, you know, the whole time, the reason that plant makes those hot little peppers is to make seed, and it takes a while for those seeds to mature and become viable. So it will just depend on the stage of maturity of those seeds. So probably yes, but I'd uh, have a backup source going. You call David's Garden Seed or find somebody else that's got a, a you know few plants. Mine are still covered with the little red peppers all over them. So uh, give these seeds a try. I just, I, I can't, and even if I looked at them, I couldn't tell you whether the seeds are mature or not. If you want to okay. check the maturity, do this. Take uh, yourself a couple of layers of paper towels, and mm-hmm. without treating the seeds at all. I mean, these are very fresh seeds. So just, you know, put half a dozen seeds. Uh, you can put them on a sponge. You can put them between two or three layers of paper towels. Keep them moist for about two weeks, and uh, then kind of open it up and look. If they're sprouting and starting to grow, you'll know the seed's good and viable for you all right well i pulled some red ones off and i was drying them out so i could grind them up and make like a pepper sure and they were they're kind of shriveled up and everything will they be okay to plant oh they're they're perfect just take uh just take a knife or whatever just kind of split them open and uh take the seeds out it'll actually make them a little more or a little less hot probably a little more flavorful my friend cappy lawton who's one heck of a chef uh, he roasts them and uses them roasted and ground in all sorts of wonderful creations they they use at his restaurants but those red ones the seed is very definitely mature but you can split them open, take the seed out, and still use the uh, the rest of the pepper for making your salsa or whatever you want to use it for. Okay, but I mean, do I use like those red those red seeds? I've got the red uh, peppers. I've got. Do I, do I soak them in that? Uh, no, you'll uh, you'll take the seed. You'll take the seed out and save the seed, and then when you're getting ready to plant, you'll soak the seed. You don't need to soak the whole pepper. Okay. All right. Well, that's each each one of those little peppers is going to have six to ten. Uh, there'll be sort of a tannish white seed inside. Just scrape those out. Let them dry. Put them in an envelope or something like that, and put them in a glass jar in the refrigerator, and uh, you'll be all set to start your plants. Um, you know, early spring. Okay, so don't plant them now. Plant them in, in, in little pots right now. Don't plant them now. Wait till spring to plant them. Unless you've got a greenhouse to start them out in, I'd wait till uh, early spring to plant them. Okay, good deal. All right, Bob, thank you. So, oh, oh, that was another thing. I have a, a lemon tree that I planted a couple of years ago. Yes, sir. And that freeze, that freeze did a beating on it. Uh, I'm, the leaves turned brown uh-huh. at the top, 
Yeah, is it going to live or die? Oh, it's going to live. Uh, I can't tell you what the rest of the winter is going to do, but that that freeze we had in October damaged a lot of leaves, but I don't think it's done any damage whatsoever to the limbs and trunk of your plant. But it's kind of a little warning shot, Mother Nature saying, hey, I may give you a cold winter. So uh, you may have to give it a lot of protection later this winter, but I'm not going to make any forecasts. But what we had uh, last month is just strictly cosmetic damage, nothing to be concerned about. All right, you have a good day. You do the same, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, it's going to be Betty and Anna and Robin and Raymond. Good morning, Betty. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, I have a question about the front of my house. It faces north. I have a space about three feet wide between the house and the and the sidewalk. Okay. But my deal is... All winter long, it's totally shady, but in the summertime, it gets hot, hot sun. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for something to fill in there, probably like the liriope, but I put in the, the is it um, autumn fern, and it burns the leaves in right. the summertime. Right, same thing would happen with the holly fern. Um, you know, there are, how how tall do we want the plants to grow in this area? Under the windows, so probably, what, four Four feet, maybe okay. three uh, or four feet high. There are a handful of plants that would do fine in limited light or bright sun. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them that uh, comes to mind immediately would be something like dwarf pitosporum, which is going to grow, you know, maybe three feet in height. Uh, there is a true holly called dwarf Burford holly, which is going to give you shiny leaves, going to give you red berries in the oh, winter months. There are some, and uh, something, uh, just a gorgeous combination. Uh, There are many different varieties of Nandina. Uh If you want one that's going to grow about four feet tall, you can get the one that they simply call compact Nandina. And then there is the Harbor Dwarf, the Harbor Bell. There's some new ones that don't get over about two feet tall. But I think a combination of something like your Dwarf Burfords and your compact Nandinas, you're going to even get wintertime color because uh, you're going to get red berries on the on the hollies. You're going to get bright red leaves on your uh, Nandinas. So those are things that would tolerate, you know, both shade and sun and would look pretty year round. Okay, great. Yeah, I I listened to you talk to the lady about her her pot, and Mm -hmm. uh, that's what made me think. Because I do want something that's pretty summer and winter, but I keep burning stuff that I plant. Well, and then if you want to go one step further, you plant a row of cyclamen along the front of it in the winter, and then you switch over to periwinkles or vinca. Uh, and man, there are some gorgeous varieties. I want everybody to look for a new series that's going to be out this spring from Ball Seed called Tattoo. Uh, just like, you know, ink on your skin, but are oh. in your skin. But these tattoo varieties are some of the most spectacular things. We saw them in a nurseryman show up in Portland, Oregon this oh, last uh, late summer. And let me tell you, they are spectacular. And uh, oh I've already told several of our growers they better have them. <laughs> <laughs> because they're they're so spectacular but you can add flowers winter and summer just you know of course different things summer versus winter but yeah. uh your i always love your ideas for com- combinations i just can't seem to get it through my brain well if you if you want somebody better than me oh, stop donna, by shades of, well <laughs> stop by shades of green sometime and talk to donna that lady has exactly. more talent in her little finger than i do in my whole body when oh, it comes to God. design i don't miss her seminars <laughs> 
<laughs> Very good. Okay. Well, thanks for your help. Always a pleasure. Thanks All for right. the call this morning, Betty. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Anna's turn. Good morning, Anna. Uh, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. Long time no no talk to you. At least three or four weeks, maybe. <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> anyway, my question this morning, and I have two or three. Okay. Uh, one, and then you can answer them later. One is how to plant papayas. I, I want to grow papayas. I have papaya seeds. Okay. I um, what is a good fertilizer for my lawn? Okay. Uh, Bermuda. And how can I kill uh, the uh, what is it? Uh, rain lilies that come up after the rain. Oh, why do you want to kill those things? They're so pretty. I know they are, but they're pain in the neck. <laughs> okay. Um, well, first of all, to the papayas. Uh, are you wanting to grow the little smaller Hawaiian papayas or the big Mexican papayas? Uh, they're about eight inches long. Okay. Um, well, that could be, that's probably the Mexican papayas. Here's the thing. Papayas um, take about 10 months of good warm weather to grow and make papayas, which means that we don't have usually quite enough time to plant them out and then get papayas before winter's cold sets in. So best thing to do is to take your papaya seed, start it in little pots in your kitchen window or wherever else, but start it indoors in uh, late January, February. That way you're going to have little plants that are maybe 18 inches tall when it's safe to plant them out in March or so when we're past the danger of a hard freeze. Then you will have plenty of time to get a bunch of papayas before they freeze next fall. Um, Here's the thing about your bigger Mexican papayas is that the plants are either male or female. They don't have, you know, you have to have at least one male and female plants will make the fruit. Male plants will pollinate them. And so you can't tell by looking at the plants, which is male, which is female until they bloom. So what you need to do is start a bunch of seed, plant a bunch of plants, and that way you'll almost certainly have a mixture. And some years, unless we get just a real hard winter, the tops may freeze, but I've seen papayas live for two and three and four years. I've even seen them down in the valley where the top's frozen out of them, but the trunk's six inches across because they've been sitting there producing papayas, you know, year after year. But the real secret is starting your seeds indoors uh, so that you'll have little plants to set out. If you wait and just plant the seeds in the ground, it's probably going to freeze before they have a chance to make papayas. So, How long does it take for it to start growing? Um, usually about a week or two. Uh huh. Because I am constantly throwing seeds out in the in the my my flower bed. Right. And periodically, I get a little thing <laughs> coming up. So well, I'm doing something wrong. You well, you just need to start them in little pots inside and let them grow up before you set them out, and that way you get nice plants and you get plenty of papayas too. About okay. the lawn fertilizer, there are lots of good ones out there. Medina makes one called Growing Green. Maestro Grow makes one called Texas Tea. Nature's Creation makes one they call just premium lawn food. It's just a really good organic fertilizer. Uh, Espoma makes one they call Plant Tone. Uh, All of these are excellent fertilizers for grass and trees and shrubs and ground covers. Uh Uh, Just about everybody carries the Medina fertilizers. The others may be a little bit harder to find, but I've used all of them, and I like all of them. So just whatever is most convenient for you. Uh Okay, and how do I get rid of the rain lilies? Uh, With a lawnmower. 
Oh, God, I've tried it. I, I know. But you just have to keep after them. If you can keep them from going to seeds, you know, they make the white flowers and they make those little seed pods full of black seeds. Yeah, you, and I go out there and I, I and I start pulling, I start cutting out and getting all the seeds, trying to get the seeds. Right. Uh, you know, they, they bloom and then they make the seeds and I go out there and, and I try to uh, cut off all the seeds so they won't come out and they multiply like mad. Well, I guess and, you could pave your front yard if you want to do. Oh, uh, okay. One more <laughs> thing and I'll let you go. Um, I am, um, beyond, uh, senior citizen, you know, I'm way back and I, I want to get some, um, uh, some kind of dirt or or mulch or something in my yard. So how who can I call and uh, do? Is there any place that will deliver and spread? There are plenty of places that will deliver. Uh, the spreading is the hard part because that involves work and nobody wants to work anymore. Tell um, me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I say, everybody wants a position. Nobody wants a job. Um, I, yes, there are places it will deliver. I happen to like Stone and Soil Depot here in San Antonio. Jeff runs a real good operation, real top quality. I would ask them. I'll bet they have somebody, you know, that would spread it for you. Uh-huh. Um, now, uh-huh. the there is another option, and some people like this. I don't, but some people do. Um, ABC Pest and Lawn. They have a machine that they actually come out, and it's like a big blower. It's sort of like the machine they use to blow uh, insulation up into the attics. Uh-huh. But they will blow the compost onto your yard. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it is they use the biosolids compost, which is not a kind of compost that I like. But I have to tell you, one of our employees, he doesn't really care about the smell or the potential issues because it does stink for a couple of weeks. But uh, he hasn't put it on his yard. He has a beautiful yard, and they come out and do it twice a year for him. But it's just not the kind of compost I like. But uh, they certainly do it for a lot of people, and ABC has a what they call a free division that uh you know that does things like this but i would start by uh calling stone and soil depot tell them you want the good manure compost and see mm-hmm. if they have someone to suggest to you that uh, would actually you know spread the compost for you okay i thank you for your advice i certainly would put it to what's the difference between the big and uh mexican the, the little and the big papayas well I mean, so do, do i treat the seeds the same way the thing about the little hawaiian papayas is that those plants uh you only have to have one plant they have male and female flowers on the same plant and they are not as big they take as long to grow so if you you know if you want to you can start the seeds from little hawaiian papayas the same way and uh you don't have to worry about oh gee did i get some males and some females out there because the hawaiian papaya is what we call monoecious it's uh which literally means one house it has male and female flowers on the same plants so it's a little bit uh you don't have to plant 10 plants to be sure you got a good mixture of boys and girls but some people like the flavor of one some people like the flavor of the other Unfortunately, most of the Hawaiian papayas are genetically modified, but it's not so they can be sprayed with chemicals or anything. It's just an attempt to eliminate one of the viruses. So it's not one of the really bad GMOs, uh, but uh, I still love those big old Mexican papayas. Squeeze a little fresh lime juice on that, and 
Oh man, you know just... the papaya seed. You make some good dressing. Oh and yeah. You, uh, if you're gonna roast something, put the papaya, crush the papaya seeds, and uh, put them in the, on top of your uh, roast, and there you have the most tender uh, roast you ever want to make. It has an, an an enzyme in it that actually does that. And you're gonna make me drool on the microphone if you keep <laughs> this up. So you get out and have a good Sunday, Anna. You too. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, back to gardening. Robin, Raymond, Sarah and lisa and robin's first good morning hi robin okay remind everybody once again we are mandated to be on a time delay you need to be listening to your telephone not your radio so you're ready to talk to me when uh when your turn comes up robin are you there okay robin i'm going to put you back on hold and i'm going to go on and talk to raymond i'll come back to you in just a minute good morning raymond Good morning, Bob. Got uh, how you doing today? I'm well, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Good. I got three questions. Okay. Uh, a fig tree. It's a brown turkey. Okay. It's so tall I can't uh, <laughs> harvest the fruit from the top. And the birds get it all anyway. Yes. Um, can I trim that thing? You can trim it back. I wouldn't do it right now, Raymond, because uh, if this weather stays warm, it'll try to sprout out again, and then uh, it could freeze back and be damaged. But if you wait till about the end of February, trim it any time, any way you like. You're not going to hurt a fig by trimming it ever. You're going to lose a little bit of fruit. But, uh, you know, anytime, anytime after Valentine's Day, uh, get out there and trim it as much as you like. It's going to try to grow back, and it's better to trim it a little bit every year than to let it get totally overgrown and then have to get out there with a chainsaw to do it. But uh, uh, everybody grows brown turkey figs or any of the big varieties. They get to where you are, just all of a sudden you looked around, and it's a whole lot bigger than you expected. So uh, uh, don't trim now, but uh, early spring, yeah, trim however you like, and it won't bother it a bit. Okay, sounds good. Next one, a uh, mountain laurel. Can I propagate with a uh, with a twig? No, sir. Uh, you can just, propagate just from seeds. seeds. Uh, the it's seeds okay. grow a lot faster. You could try putting an air layer on there, but it's going to be a weaker plant. It's probably may or may not ever take root for you. The seeds grow so easily. Just scratch them lightly with any kind of file. Soak them on a little garret juice or a little liquid seaweed. They sprout like mad, and that little seedling grows faster than a cutting ever will. So uh, uh, just collect yourself some seeds. You're going to do just fine with it that way. Okay, good. And uh, the last one, it's a newly planted first-year plum tree. Uh-huh. And I also have uh, two peach trees along with it. Should I trim those, the plum tree especially, just like a peach tree? You know, plum trees are, you can try to make them look like a peach, but plum trees always want to grow more upright than peaches do. Yes, I think this is the single most important time in in all those trees' life for pruning, and you're actually probably going to cut back the trunk itself because you want those limbs branching out you want them radiating out like the spokes of a wheel and uh you can do it any time over the next six weeks or so but pick either on either tree pick about three or four limbs that sort of just point outwards Cut the trunk off just above that point, and these are going to be your major scaffold limbs. These are the limbs that are going to kind of open out to make kind of a goblet shape, like a martini glass. And that's the shape 
that you it's easy to maintain that shape in a peach tree a little bit harder in a plum because it keeps wanting to try to grow straight up but uh yes sir young trees this is the most important time of their life to get them into a good shape and you may actually trim out half the top of the tree but it's just uh, what you do the first year uh, be very successful in years to come okay sounds good bob and can i sneak one more in go right ahead a, a Choctaw pecan, it doesn't fill out all the way. It's about a five-year tree. It's got good pecans, but yeah. some of them don't fill out all the way. Is that a water issue? Uh, that's a lack of rain issue. You cannot water a pecan tree enough to give it what it really wants. Uh, when we are wet in August, it will fill out beautifully. When we're dry in August, it's going to be an ongoing you know, problem with it. I, I'm not sure, but I think that was probably a Western Schley hybrid. The original long pecan in this part of the world was Western Schley, and it only really filled out about one out of three years. Uh, the meat's still going to be good, but uh, you're going to have to pray for, you know, good rains in August if you want that pecan to really fill out well. Okay, so there's no type of fertilizer or anything, a lot of water that's going to help. I mean, if you had the water available to really soak it very, very deeply about two every two weeks, beginning in late July, you would get better pecans. But, you know, a pecan tree that's properly cared for, that has got roots all the way to the next county, and there's just it's not practical to give them as much water as they need. But uh, anything you can do to water, but that's the critical time from about the 20th of July on to about the 10th of September. That's when your pecans are in what we call the water stage, and that's when they decide whether they're going to really fill out the nut or not. Okay, Bob. Sounds good. I pre- always appreciate your help. I always. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I appreciate it, Raymond. You have a good Sunday, and uh, let's see if Robin's ready now. Good morning, Robin. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm I'm getting ready to to leave town for a couple months. Okay. And I've got a lot of plants outdoors that I don't want to bother my neighbors with covering them up and <laughs> okay. doing all that like they did last winter. Um. And I'd like to bring them inside, but mm-hmm. I want to spray them real good before I bring them in. Okay. And I there's a formula with Dawn dish liquid. I tell I you can, what are, I would spray with. with yeah, the and, and it's not really very effective. Um, tell me what kind of plants you have you're thinking of bringing in. Okay, I've got a poinsettia, a okay. angel wing begonia, okay. um, a Moses in the basket. Yeah. Okay. Um, some spider plants. Okay. Some uh, foxtail fern, rosemary. Okay. Well, rosemary leave outside. Yeah. It's not going to be bothered by the cold. And uh, foxtail really? may or may. Oh, yeah. No, rosemary's cold hardy. Upright rosemary's cold hardy to 10 degrees. Uh, the prostrate or spreading rosemary's cold hardy to about 15 degrees. But, uh, oh. okay, the others probably should come in. Uh, keep on going if you have any more to list. Except the foxtail, leave the foxtail out. Foxtail, it's it, and you're going to be gone a couple of months. How long are you going to be gone? Uh huh. Okay. So mid February. Here, yeah, I'd probably bring the foxtail in. Most winters, I would say it's going to be fine. But if we get a really, really hard freeze, then uh, you know that it would be damaged. Um, as yeah. far as uh, the plants that you're talking about. 
Uh, you're more concerned really about insects that are down in the soil than anything that's on the plants. None of those plants are likely to have much in the way of bugs on the plants themselves. And these Jerry Baker concoctions that are with on dishwashing liquid and things like that, they don't really do much good. What I would do is uh, go to a nursery, and it's going to be very, very cheap. Get yourself a, a good shaker can of diatomaceous earth. Okay. And while the okay. plants are fairly dry, just dust mm-hmm. that real heavily over the soil in the mm-hmm. plants. That's going to take care of pill bugs, millipedes, just about anything else that would come crawling out of there. And uh, it's totally okay. safe, totally natural, and um, not real messy and no no problems whatsoever. Be, I think, a lot mm-hmm. better than uh, a liquid spray. And remember, okay. somebody is still going to have to water um yeah periodically yeah, I have a neighbor coming in and yeah. they need uh they need a lot of sunlight so you're not going to be able to close your blinds mm-hmm. and your drapes you're going to have to yeah. put them in a room yeah. that you can leave the blinds open um yeah and just kind of line them up along there a south window or a west window of course are going to be best mm-hmm. for the plants but uh i know what you mean it's hard to you know, unless you've got somebody that you can reciprocate with, say, okay, you take my plants, I'll take care of your plants. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. all those things should do fine indoors for a couple of months. And just, like I say, just put them in a bright room, leave the blinds open, uh, get somebody to water. Um, if you're concerned, you know, about water running through and, and damaging floor or carpet or anything mm-hmm. like that, just give them a few dollars and tell them to go get a bag of ice and just put a couple of scoops of ice on each plant. That way the water's the ice is going to melt slowly enough. Most all the water will be absorbed, and there's much less chance of uh, having water damage. Oh, okay. I always put big saucers under. That's always a good idea, too, but even yeah. then, if things get a little dry, yeah. then uh, those uh, roots, the soil shrinks back away from the sides of the pot, and it's real hard mm-hmm. to water them without overflowing that saucer. But ice is a good trick. It's just an idea for you. You do whatever works for okay. you. Okay. Okay. I, I always thought that kind of shocked them. Not at all. It doesn't. Not at all. African violets, maybe, oh. but I didn't hear African violets on the list. Everything mm-hmm. you mentioned no, to me is no. pretty good, tough, hardy plant. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. And you have a nice trip, and enjoy enjoy right. your stay. I hope it's somewhere warmer and nicer. <laughs> it's Idaho, and we go up to ski. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm we jealous. <laughs> well, you know, West Central Wyoming is my favorite place to go, and I go up there to trout fish, so I'm not going in January or February. But <laughs> there's just something about the mountains that's just good for the soul. Everybody needs to needs to do it now and then. Yes, I agree. You enjoy yes. and stay you safe have. and uh, watch out for the trees and uh, call me when you're back. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Robin. Thank you for your program. <laughs> My Bye-bye. pleasure. Bye. All right, it's going to be Sarah, Lisa, Ginger, and Don. Good morning, Sharon. Or Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> That's okay. I know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> How are you this morning? Bob? I'm great, thank you. It is a gorgeous day out there. Well, it sure is. I can't wait to get out there. I'm going to fib and tell you I haven't been out there yet. I'm going to tell you the truth. I haven't have not stepped foot outside. The well, there are just lots of things a lady has to do in the morning. There sure is. So I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, the old invasive Nandina. I've got them. Uh-huh. And um, I want to dig them up. Okay. <laughs> What's, whatever I need to do. What's the best way to get rid of them uh get and somebody else to do it yeah i know i thought about that too <laughs> there is um they're right next door mm-hmm. i mean they're right next to a wall okay so you know 
uh, they're going to be a chore. Well, here's the thing: they don't come back from the roots. They have oh. un- they have underground stems or rhizomes, and so okay. my tool of choice is something called a grubbing hoe. It's uh, yes. like a pickup with a flat blade that you sort of chop with. If I were going to do this in a two-step process, first thing I'd do is prune them down to about a foot tall so I'm not getting slapped by them every time I chop. And then I'm going to get out there with that grubbing hoe, and I'm a fairly strong person. I would be I would be rid of uh, – I'd get rid of a dandina probably in three minutes with a grubbing hoe. Okay. So it's just a matter of chopping one to two inches down in the ground, undercut them, and uh, those rhizomes are real close to the surface – and you get rid of those, they're dead. They're not going to sprout back from the roots or anything underneath that. Okay, that's good to know. Thank you so much. That makes it a halfway decent, easier It's job. still easier if you can find somebody else to do it, but yeah. uh, you can justify taking a day or two off from the gym when you uh, do this yourself. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anything else I can help with? That's it. You get out and have a great Sunday. We'll talk again. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, it's uh, Lisa's turn. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Bob. Good okay, morning. Two questions about back uh, trimming back plants. Okay. Okay, so I know I was I heard something last week about lantanas. These are the full bloom summer lantanas, mm-hmm. not the trailing ones. Okay. Can I clip those back already? Clip them back now. Put a little fertilizer down. Put a little mulch or compost or something over them because that dead top is still providing a little bit of insulation, and we got a long way to go in this winter. But go ahead and cut them back, and then just three four inches of mulch over top, and you're set for the winter. Okay, how about the, um, what are they called, what are they called, Esperanzas, the orange color variety right. and the yellow? Um, Same w- thing? Yeah, we've got cosmetic damage on them. We don't really know how far back they froze, and we don't want them to try to sprout back again this fall. So I'm going to wait two or three, well, I'm going to wait another week. We're supposed to be pretty chilly. We may be through with the, you know, 70 and 80 degree days in another week's time. And at that point, you can cut them back as far as you like, if you want to. Now, if you want especially the yellow one to be super big next summer, wait until i mean do a little bit of pruning on it now but we really don't know how far back it froze if we wait until next spring we look at where it sprouts out and then we know everything above that point was frozen so that's where we will cut it but if you say hey i just want to get it down i don't want it to be huge uh go ahead and as soon as we get back into a little more cool weather you can whack those two back with no problem whatsoever okay how about durante uh durante um, it's really the same way uh, again, I don't want it to sprout back out, so I'm going to wait a week or two to do it. And you might as well go ahead and cut it down to six inches tall. Okay. And then lastly, the canas that are in pots. Canas, go ahead and out. cut them back. Just cut them back. Leave them in the pot. Leave them in the pots. Cut them back.